Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Good afternoon, listeners. You're listening to another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am. Today we are celebrating World Bipolar Day and uh, my name is Kiara and with me we have interviewing Serena and Terry. We'll be interviewing uh, Reid Maxwell. He's the manager of uh, MindWorks Mutual Support and Self-Help Services and also the president of the Melbourne Bipolar Network. Welcome, Reid. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Take it Hi, away, Reed. guys. Hello. Uh, firstly, Reid, do you want to start by outlining how bipolar affects people with the illness? Yes. Bipolar is a, uh, a mental health disorder that is, consists of unusual shifts in mood, energy and activity levels. And really it's about uh, how that then affects your day-to-day life. So probably when you hear bipolar, it means two, so it's, and it's the extremes, which is uh, either uh, extreme being a manic or mania episode and the down period being a depressive episode. And what are the, some of the symptoms of a manic episode? Okay, manic episode would be a, a period of feeling high. So it's, it's a sense of overly happy or an outgoing mood. Um, it's a feeling you may even feel jumpy or agitated in that whole process and irritated Um, you may talk fast you may jump around a bit uh, one from one topic to to another Um, you have a racing thoughts in your head uh, quite easily distracted Uh, you can be sort of really highly focused on goal-orientated activities but generally what will happen is those activities may start but never get really uh, through to the end of an activity. You're quite restless, you have little sleep um, and uh, an often an unrealistic belief in yourself as a person. So it's, it's really a sense of a lot of people talk about feeling like a superhuman person and uh, have the capacity to take everything on at those times. So that's really the, the signs and symptoms of a, a manic type of episode. The depressive episode is obviously what a lot of people can feel, but uh, multiply that by 100. So those long periods of feeling uh, worried and empty and alone and, and, and really uh, feeling bad about yourself. So feeling really tired. So, you know, exactly the opposite of the, the manic phase. So it was quite problematic in the sense of being so high and then feeling so low um, that can be a problem for individuals. So they will then... Over, overeat or oversleep and uh, you may have suicide ideation. And what about what's called a, a mixed state in, um, in bipolar? Yeah. A little bit of both. So it's, it's probably a feeling of being agitated so you may not have the sleep but 
you sort of know you need the sleep and you you know you need to slow down, but your your brain is actually functioning at a level that that makes it very difficult to to shut it down and to relax. Um, so it's 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 sort of the feeling of high without that euphoria of feeling high. Um, it's an agitated state, which can be quite problematic for other people around you. And often I hear people talk about uh, the manic phase being problematic for other people and them and the depression being problematic for the person themselves. As well as being problematic, depression being problematic for the person, I think there's a misperception that mania, the euphoria, can be quite fun and seductive, but in reality there are often very negative effects of mania. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. The, the negative effect is really, what I just mentioned before, about the destruction that takes place in those episodes. So the overemphasis of feeling good can lead to an over over stimulation of uh, sexual habits, an over spending spree, uh, a sense of being infallible to to the basic problems of our world. So whether you you know feel like you want to drive faster than what you really should, or you know, I know a lady who decided she'd cross the road blindfolded because she thought she could and she would be okay. So so these end up being problematic and. Um, and people end up, you know, taking risks when really they shouldn't be. And uh, for the average Joe Blow person to see that and go, well, it's, you know, something I really don't uh, recommend. There are two types of bipolar. Could you explain the difference between type 1 and type 2? Yeah, yeah. Type, type 1 disorder is an experience by about 1% of our population. And, that, and, and so that's really having a manic, full-blown, uh, delusional manic episode and having the depression with it. Type 2 is uh, ones that people will, may have the, the, the manic phase, um, but not so much having the, the, the depressive phase. So, and, and I think it varies with a lot of individuals. I know somebody who... Um, is, is, is predominantly goes high rather than depressed. So there's, there's a lot of variation in the whole uh, scheme of, of that. And that's, that's where the, the, the idea of treating something like that is about that sense of monitoring it and, and keeping an eye and, and uh, acknowledging where your moods are at any particular point in time. So it's very important that um, people who have these conditions maintain regular contact with their treating specialists. Is that absolutely. the case? Can yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell us um, a bit about the sort of treatments that people respond to in relation to bipolar? Well, as you'll mention there, you know, one of the mainstays and uh, uh, the, the recommendation is that you have a very good and close relationship with your GP or psychiatrist, now, and, and predominantly probably GP, Yep. Um, because they're the ones that will see you more than, than a psychiatrist. But the, the idea that you have people around you who can be honest with you around how they're seeing your day-to-day life, so often having that uh, external view of and a rating system about where you are in your, in your, in your moods because um, being able to to capture your, your sense of mood early is really a key to understanding your mental health. So, mm. so treatment is, is certainly medication is very important. Then having someone who you can obviously talk to around 
those medications and and probably acknowledging that medication is is a trial and error type process for most people yes so it is about trying uh medication different types of medication at different dosages and different times working along with your gp or psychiatrist so you get that that right amount but it's not it's not the only and it's not the panacea for bipolar disorder yes it really needs a, a holistic type of approach which then involves other people in your life and your own capacity to recognise and pick up your signs and symptoms of of where you're going at any one time to then acknowledge what's happening and, and sometimes actually be okay. I mean, it might be... It's probably very difficult to know, you know, if you're, if you're having a good day, whether that is a, you know, a precursor to being manic or if you're having a not-so-good day, is that a precursor for feeling depressed or yes. getting depressed? yes. So those signs and symptoms are really important to understand how they go and then how they fit into your normal state of life. So it's a, it is about, life is a bit of an up and down at times mm. and we can have our not so good days, but recognising what that is over a period of time is really important. And um, would you discuss, be able to talk about uh, the sort of things that can set people off into having the bipolar condition yeah. genetics or are there certain drugs that can contribute to people to the onset of having bipolar yeah a, a lot of a lot of work has been done on genetic uh, predisposition yes so we will quite often see that there's a a, a son who has a, a a mother i remember talking to a, a gentleman the other day who talked about his mother doing the washing at four o'clock in the morning because she felt like that was the best time for her to do it, which may well have been because the house is pretty quiet until you hear the washing machine going <laughs> off. So the, there, there is a genetic component to that, but it's, yeah. it's not, it, it's not uh, as clear-cut as that. Yes. Um, so what was that? I'll extend on that. What was the, the question again? And uh, can... Whether any drugs were seen as uh, may contribute to the onset of bipolar. Oh, I think with any drug, I, I, I'm not really an expert in drug taking, but yep. I, I think any drug is a powerful drug. Yes. And if you think about what it can do, you need to be really, obviously, careful about what you put into your body, and that talks, you know, and that's in the way of general food. But imagine mm. having a, a powerful drug that's in a little capsule form. So there, um, there's some antidepressants that will. Uh, lead you to being uh, manic or uh-huh. higher. So it, it's there's it, this is why the relationship with your GP is so important to yes. understand about medication, about the effect that it has on you, and about being honest with your GP when mm. you feel things are going not as they should. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Reed. What are people's reactions to being diagnosed with bipolar? Yeah, probably too extremes, I would think. There, it could be a sense of relief for someone mm-hmm. to to recognise that what they're going through is something that people do know about. So it, because I think the most frightening thing is the unknown, yeah. and and to be uh, to be disconnected with our world, whether you're having a manic episode or even in a depressive. Uh, symptoms to to feel as though you're the only one and as part of our group I think most people come here and think 
well, you know, my disorder is my disorder. And, um, and when they find out that you're talking about one in five people in our, our world and, and almost half our population will have a, a mental health condition in their life, we start to realise, as much as we want to be an individual in this life, we start to realise that, that there, there is an understanding and there is a way of identifying what's going on for us. So I think the, probably the main definition of having a mental health condition is that it, it affects your daily life mm. and, and you seek support to understand that. Um, and I think also a proper diagnosis can help guide treatment. Um, Absolutely. It can also then, obviously, on the other side of that is people can feel like I now have a label on my head. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that label then suggests that I'm a second-class human being, that I don't have the rights as anybody else, that I'm, you know, I'm mad or I'm this or I'm that or I'm, I'm, I'm different from what's happening out there. And and it's been my fault, and and you know, it, it's it, unfortunate, it's isn't it? In that, say, someone with diabetes who might have a hypo mm. attack is not uh, looking at themselves in that way. That this stereotypal stigma is, seems to be particularly affecting people with mental health conditions. Well, I think that's because um, a the lack of knowledge, and b mm. b that sense of either you're mad or you're not, mm. and it's one or the other. I think we have a of a binary world where you know the good guys wear white and the bad guys wear black mm. and, and there's no real in between and yet our whole world is lived in that gray area yes and and when you're talking about human beings or when, when you're talking about human beings as we go up we we identify things and we you know we get to see an animal with four legs and our mum says that's a dog and we go oh good okay that's what a dog looks like and then we and you might see a cat the next day and you go, dog, 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 and your mum goes, well, actually, that's a cat. So you then start to differentiate, but you have those identities. And and particularly, I think, in mental health circles and the, the time that something like bipolar starts to affect people with generally their late teens is, is around that sense of identity. Yeah. So, so to to, I suppose, recognise that having a mental health condition is, is not a life sentence and it isn't about this is who I am. And um, I do know individuals who are introduced themselves as schizophrenics and I go, well, do I really need to know that mm. at this particular point in time? I would rather know who you are and, and, uh, and the strengths someone has and the weaknesses someone has, not about a diagnosis and not about that diagnosis being that person's identity. So I'd like to, and that's part of what our group does, is get away from that mm. sense of you aren't your bipolar disorder, not on your forehead. All right, well, we'll just take a short break. Yeah. The Let's Talk About Mental Health event is a free event that provides information about mental health and other support services available to the Mornington Peninsula community. That is going to be held on Friday the 22nd of April, from 10am to 2pm at the Rosebud Memorial Hall, 994 Point Nepean Road, Rosebud. Uh, everyone is welcome and all inquiries can be made to Judy Anderson on 9238 8634. Welcome back to Brainwaves on 3CR. 
Today's show is dedicated to bipolar disorder in light of World Bipolar Day, the 30th of March. We are speaking with Reid Maxwell, the president of the Melbourne Bipolar Network. Uh, Reid, what is the Melbourne Bipolar Network? Melbourne Bipolar Network is actually just a group of individuals who uh, have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and have formed up to say, well, how about we chat to each other? We get enough information from our clinician about uh, diagnoses and you can look up uh, you know, a number of different definitions and what we've heard, we've just spoken about. But it's, it's more about what that then means to you and what it means to the people that are around you and being able to connect with other people who are probably like-minded individuals who have concerns around their own moods. So they get together and talk to each other and, you know, hopefully learn from each other, learn from the experiences people have, talk about medications, talk about uh, different coping mechanisms, different strategies to, to ensure that they can, uh, I suppose, understand what having a diagnosis of bipolar means to them and ways around accepting themselves for it, ways around coping with whether it's depressive episodes or, or manic episodes, ways of uh, picking up on little signs and symptoms and strategies that can be useful to identify when people are going into a, uh, a either a manic phase or a uh, depressive phase. So, but it's done in a in a social network, and it's that that sense of community that I think is really important to understand. Um, that you're not alone in the whole process. And yeah, how, how did you become connected to the Melbourne Bipolar Network, Reid? Well, it really started with Ray, who I know has spoken to you, Ray Farrelly. Farrelly, sorry. And I've been part of this organisation, which used to be the Geelong Bipolar Network some years ago, and it's expanded outwards into general mental health concerns, but always with a focus around bipolar disorder. So... So I'd, um, I'd been chatting to Ray and um, talking about what was going on in Melbourne and I thought this is just fantastic in its, in its target of, of being socially aware. And our, our, our service is around that focus too, about a sense of community, a sense of people coming together, not really focusing on a diagnosis or mm -hmm. the signs and symptoms, but focusing on the person as being a person and and them being able to understand what that means to them and then how does that relate to their operation on a day-to-day -day life and, and chatting to other people from all walks of life and, and realising that you're not the only one and there's ways of dealing with things and there's ways of coping with things and, and we just have to find that right path for ourselves. It certainly looks yes. fantastic on the net, you know. It's a very dynamic organisation from what I could see. And uh, I congratulate you on that, having been involved in other self-help groups. How about funding and organisational structure? Would you be able to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, we have, organisationally, you have, um, I mean, I might sit there as a president, but maybe a bit of a figurehead compared to the, the groundwork that Ray does. Yeah. Um, and, and, and others who, are, who put their hand up to be just part of that and to drive it. Yeah, um, they're the ones that are really have the um, impetus and uh, 
and the, and the drive to connect individuals. So there's facilitators for all those groups, and they all have a, a mental health diagnosis, but have have grown to understand what that means to them. Are happy to talk about their diagnoses and and happy to to actually explore different ways of doing things, and also understand that it's it's an individual journey for people. Yes. So primarily, you know, where, where I sit and our, our board sit is about um, supporting people who are facilitators. I, I, I see a lot of it. I've been involved in self-help groups for many years mm. and they're really good when they've got a dynamic facilitator. Yes. But, but if a facilitator leaves that group, the, the group can often fall over. So, so, you know, part of our role is actually support facilitators to... Um, to be consistent and to be uh, stable in yeah. in having these groups and getting them to be ongoing and um, and be supportive. So so we have other so we we would like probably three facilitators per group. So you can imagine how many people that would be with you know eight or so groups. Mm. You've got twenty twenty to thirty odd facilitators mm. there, and we're always encouraging people to be involved. I think a lot of Poor mental health is is about not being in control. So, so to to get people and to, and to to be a part of what's going on for your own world is about having good mental health. So, part of that whole process is about the the self control that people can have mm. and linking with others to go. Oh, I want to be a part of this, and I feel as though I'm then actually giving back and 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 supporting others. Uh, in that sense of community, so I keep on coming back to community because I'm a big believer in grassroots types of yes. movements and, and and that working on a on a individual level, which is which is powerful. So the so the group is there to connect with other individuals on a one to one basis to provide what I call a safe place. Yes, because I think a lot of mental health is around feeling safe or unsafe. Mm. And then what are the consequences of that? If I feel unsafe, then how do I respond? So there's a higher sense mm. of agitation. There's a higher sense of defensiveness. So to be in a safe place is really important. And it to is. know that there's people around you who understand what your journey is. Mm. And, and then connect with like-minded people. Mm. What are the size um, of the groups? Approximately how many people tend to come along to a group? Well, it can range between just a couple of people or up to 10 or 12. All right. And, and I think once you start getting 10 or 12, you start getting into a, you know, a pretty solid type of group. But mm. So it varies. It will depend on particularly the nature of the beast. Is you'll, you'll have some people that aren't quite up to actually meeting and you'll have others who are go, go, goes. Down here in Geelong is where, where now services open 10 to 4 mm-hmm. and, and people will just come and go. And yep. they're part of a club environment. Yes. So that means they have an input into what goes on in the club and they actually have a responsibility to be part of that club. Mm. So they pay a membership fee in oh, the, right. down at this service here. And, and then they're involved as, as much as someone wants to. And hopefully over a period of time as people get to know each other, they develop networks. So one of the poor symptoms of being depressed is obviously that isolation that comes with it and that shutting down which is you know what we talk about that it's natural in a sense that if you're not feeling well is to go well I don't feel like going out I don't feel like talking to anybody 
and I'll, I'll shut down. So, and, and that will then affect your connections in our community. Mm-hmm. So to be able to have a place that you can go to that it's safe, to be able to belong to that environment. And the, the third point there is to then have a voice in that environment so you can be heard and people will acknowledge what you're going through mm-hmm. and even relate to it in a sense. So that normalises the whole process rather than what I think we've been doing for a long, long time. This is saying, okay, mental illness, you know, again, you're either mad or you're not. And, and we want to get away from that. Absolutely. Mm. Reid, you've mentioned sort of encouraging community engagement. World by mm-hmm. Holiday uh, aims to raise awareness, reduce stigma and encourages organisations and individuals to arrange activities around the day. Their events are being held worldwide. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Well, it started, it, it actually corresponds with Van Gogh's birthday on the March the 30th, who got uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder, uh, unfortunately, after he'd passed away. So it, it, um, it came out of the International Society for Bipolar Disorder and I think in collaboration with the Asian Network of Bipolar Disorder. So, so it's an international movement around all different aspects of mental health. So uh, in Geelong, there's an activity at the Geelong Hospital, so, which, will, which will just be an information session. And it's about reducing, it's, a, it's called reducing the sting of stigma. So it seems to be a lot of emphasis on stigma and, and the sense that that's still fairly ripe in our community. And it's still very much that part of I'm not feeling a part of our society and, uh, and I suppose you've got self-stigma there too. You've got that sense of rejection from society and your self-rejection of your, uh, of your own personal being. So their caption is, you know, it's a person, not a diagnosis, and that's really important. So I'm thinking I don't really have when bipolar, World Bipolar Day started, but I'm just guessing it's probably just uh, around 2000, 2001, because the International Society for Bipolar started in 1999. So really not that long when you think about it. No. And unfortunately for, for Van Gogh, there weren't the treatments available no, uh, in his no, day. We, no, we had, a, we had the tendency of locking people up and uh, throwing the key away. And we've come a, such a long way since then. Um, and, and a lot of the, the whole sense of this is back in the 90, 1990s when deinstitutionalisation began, when there was a push to, and it's quite right, uh, that it's a sense of disconnecting people from the environment is not a good thing. So if we can keep people in their own environment, there's going to be a better prognosis, there's going to be a better sense of connection and uh, and less dislocation yep. and less, you know, institutionalisation in that sense to yes. say, well, let's keep people in the community. I think there's been also, a, um, you know, we keep on getting better and better with our medications, mm. um, but we're also getting better and better with our uh, the community type of supports and understanding in that, that idea of talking about mental health as a general proposition for us all rather than talking about you know mental illness or not mental illness 
thanks for your time, Reid. We'll have to wrap it up there. If you want more information about the Melbourne Bipolar Network, you can go to www.mbpn.org.au. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Reid, and thank you, Serena and Terry, for today's interview. You've been listening to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, every Wednesday at 5pm. That's all from us today. We've been talking about bipolar disorder for World Bipolar Day. You can listen to podcasts of our show at brainwaves.org.au and feel free to email us show suggestions at brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Until then, it's goodbye from the team of Brainwaves. Stay tuned for Renegade Economist. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.